Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this is he, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their masters and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, Hill City. How are we doing today? Nice rainy Sunday. So let me just talk to the church people, right? Specifically the Bible Belt, some of you from the south. Um, this is going to ring true, but like, we, imagine being with a group of people, maybe being with your family, and we're getting ready to eat, right? And what do we do before we eat if we're good church people? We pray, right? We thank God for our food. Now some of you can probably finish my sentence, maybe not, this may fall flat, but it's like... It kind of got to the point where we'd all pray the same thing over and over. So here we go. See if you can fill in the blank. Lord, we bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, right? Uncle Lindell. <laughs> and bless the hands that prepared it, right? Like it's what we did. It's, and here's what's funny. It's like even, even when I came into vocational ministry, We'll talk about that today. It's just funny how like I started getting asked to, to say the prayer a little bit more before the family things, you know what I mean? Oh, Brad, you want to do this? And when I'm with my family, you got to understand what I do. I'm like, okay, I know, what I, did. I know why they did this. So I'm like, Jesus, thank you for this food. Amen. And they're like, that's, that's all you got? Well, let's, yeah, that's all I got. What would you ask me to pray for? <laughs> anyway, here's the deal. You know, it wasn't that long ago in this country just, just read, read history books, right? Between 1929 and 1941, it was a crazy time in this country. It wasn't that long ago where the majority of the population was actually truly grateful that they had food to put in their mouths to eat. And, and, we, and, and we do this now, like, I, I got to be honest with you, most of us in this room right now, most of us, not everybody, most of us have never really dealt with that. And we just kind of pray before we eat because that's what our moms and dads taught us to do when we were little bitty kids. But we do indeed thank God for our food. And I think that we should do this. But i got to ask you this question. Like, does God directly feed us? I'm not, let's not over-spiritualize this. Does God directly feed us? Like, when is the last time you walked in and like manna fell from heaven? Oh, that looks good. I'm going to eat that. Doesn't happen, does it? But does God feed us? Of course he does. How does he do this? Like, like he does this through people. Most of us get our food from a grocery store. Okay, whether we have it delivered to our front porch, however you do that, okay. But either way, it comes from a grocery store. Someone had to stock those shelves. I had to do this in high school. It was one of the jobs that I had. 
Someone, someone packaged that food. And again, some, for some of you, some of them delivered that food to your front porch. But if, even if they didn't, there was someone who drove a big truck and they delivered this food to the grocery store in order for you to go in and get it. Someone employed you so that you had, they, they saw to it that you were paid so that you could then go and get food. Like that, that, that's how God feeds us. Even if you don't know Jesus, even if you don't believe in God, that's how God feeds people. And I hope that you are thankful this morning. We should be. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I want us all to see this morning that the work that you do is God's work. Let me say that again. The work that you do is God's work. Those people that stock the shelves of grocery stores, those people that package the food, the people that do all that, that is God's work. They may never draw a paycheck from a church. Most people probably won't, but people are involved in God's work. I see faces in the room. We have teachers in the room. We have contractors. We have fitness instructors. We have restaurant owners. We have doctors and dentists and surgeons and financial advisors. We have custodians. It is all God's work. And I want you to be encouraged by that this morning. Work is God's idea. And you need to know this morning, what, it, what you do for work, that is your calling. And not, not like something that you decided, but like that's your calling by God. Now listen, about a year ago, we did a three-week series on work. I'm not going to re-teach all that. I don't think that's what the, our passage in Ephesians teaches. You can go back and you can listen to that resource and there's a theology of work that we have as a resource. But I just needed to set the table as we dive into this passage of, of Ephesians. We are coming down the stretch. If you're, if you're visiting, if you just came last week and you're back, or we, we have been in Ephesians all semester. This is our 15th week in Ephesians. We just pick right back up in Ephesians chapter 6. But by way of review, you guys do remember chapters 1, 2, and 3 were heavy identity chapters. Here is who you are in Christ. This is your identity. And then, and then the second half of Ephesians is now because of that identity, this is how you need to live your life. And he started in chapter four saying, walk worthy of your calling. So let's not forget the theme of Ephesians as we talk about our work and what we do here uh, today, what we're going to do here in this passage, okay? First and foremost, we, if you're following Jesus, we are called to God. We are called to God. And we are called, secondly, to serve our Lord. We're called to God. We are his, adopted. And then we are called to serve the Lord. And one, if not the primary way that we do that is in our work. We are called to work. Now, if your calling, meaning what you do for work, compromises the fact that you are called to God and that you're called to serve the Lord, then your calling is not your calling. Does that make sense? So if your work, if what you're being asked to do at work, if your job compromises that you are God's child and that you're serving the Lord, then that is not what you're called to do.
But work was definitely God's idea. We get into this passage of Ephesians, and we're going to look at how it is then that we should live our lives as people with vocations, with jobs. And verse 5 of chapter 6 says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters. Now, some of your Bibles actually say slaves, obey your earthly masters. So we can't just brush over this. <laughs> Like, we got to talk about this, okay? So let's go to their town. You guys, if, listen, we always need to figure out, okay, what was going on in their town? Paul's writing this to a group of people in a certain culture, in a certain time period, and we need to start there before we come to our town, Springfield 2022. So in their town, you need to understand right off the bat that what was going on in their town, when you hear the word bondservant, when you hear the word slavery, was not what was going on in the United States of America and what we believe and what we see slavery was. It just wasn't the same thing. Bondservants or slavery in, in the first century was not based upon race. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. But also at the same time, like I've, you, you may have read this passage, maybe you've heard this taught before, it is also not as simple and the same thing as an employee to employer relationship. I think that's oversimplification. It's just not the same thing. So let me just give you some common situations, okay? So were there unjust masters over bondservants in first century? 100% yes, but not all of it. And here's what I mean by that. So there were, in the first century, it could be there just some common situations that maybe you had a skill and you just went and you, and you worked for someone who needed that skill. Now that's very similar maybe to what we would have today, but here's a second example. Maybe Maybe you were just trying to feed your family and you were, you were poor and like you just could not do it. So you saw someone who, who maybe had means and, 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 and they had work for you. So you would go to someone and you would actually not ask them for a job. You would ask to be a part of their household, right? So you read in the Bible, it's like him and all of his household followed Jesus. That's not, that's not just his wife and kids, Right? But you might, in first century, you'd go to someone and ask to be part of their household, and this would enable you to feed your family and to survive and have a roof over your head, and you would just make a deal. I'm going to be part of your household, and you would then in turn supply me with food and shelter. Another example in the first century was maybe uh, if you had debt and you needed to pay off the debt. See, in the first century, you would work it off. There was no filing bankruptcy in the first century. So it's like, hey, I will come work for you in order to pay off this debt. I will be a bond servant to you, and you will be my master. And when once the debt is paid off, then I'm free to go. And the, the just part, the, 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 the just bond servant master relationships of the first century, they were not lifelong. It wasn't like a prison you were bound to for the rest of your life. It wasn't race-based. And in most cases, they were not seen as property that lacked legal rights. Now, were there examples of this in the first century? Yes. So take prisoners of war, for example. Like you go capture, uh, you go capture a people group, you'd bring back the captives, and then, yeah, that, that was an unjust form. 
So you need to understand that like Roman citizens had Roman bond servants. Israelites had Israelite bond servants. Romans had Israelite bond servants and vice versa. It, we just can't hear and see this word and go to only to American history to understand what Paul is saying here. Okay? Now let me just talk about some common arguments that you might hear on campus or, or just out there uh, among people. The Bible does not condone slavery. God hates slavery. And especially the slavery that we saw in, in, our, in our American history. There was nothing just about that. So another argument that you will hear specifically around Paul or around just, just biblical writers is, well, they were pro-slavery. Well, how do you, how do you get there? Well, because they, I never read where, where they condemn it. And I just want to tell you this argument actually lacks intellectual honesty. I think it actually lacks intellectual integrity. To say that Paul was pro-slavery based off what he didn't say, it's not fair. And our culture is doing this a lot. We look at people and we accuse them, well, because you didn't say this, this means you have to believe that. And that's actually satanic. We don't just get to accuse people of something that we assume that they think based off something they didn't say. We don't get to do this with Paul either. Paul actually would have likely fallen into the category of bondservant as he was a tent maker. And that's the unique part about it, is that Paul could be a bondservant as a tent maker throughout the week, but then step into a synagogue and teach the Bible, and the very person who was his master would then fall under his authority as he was teaching the Bible. Are you with me? Listen, that did not happen in America. So let me just belabor this point. I just want to make one more point. I want you to just imagine if Paul would write a letter to the Ukrainian Christians, right? And say he was writing a letter instructing them on how to live and specifically live within the chaos and, and the war and, and the idea that they're being scattered away from their country. But Paul would write them a letter and likely he would not write about how whack or how like unjust Putin is because the audience would have already known this. But the fact that he wouldn't write that in a letter would not mean that Paul would endorse Putin. Does this make sense? That's kind of what we have going on here. So we're not going to let people pin unintelligent arguments on Paul and on the word of God that aren't there. Are you with me? So let's go to our town. Then how do we do this? If we're talking about bond servants, like... How do we do this? Well, I, 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 again, it's, I think it's an oversimplification to say that it's just synonymous to employees. That being said, it's the closest thing that we have. Okay? So that's the best I can do for you today. This bond servant to master relationship, it's not synonymous, but it is the closest thing that we have in our culture as we look at employee to employer relationship. But we have to keep in mind the context of all of Ephesians. Right? If you go back, Paul is addressing positions within everyday life where there is authority over another person. You go back to chapter 5, and he starts with being spirit-led people. 
Okay, this is review, but stay with me. We, we, we should be led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And he's like, all right, here's how this looks for husbands. Here the, here's how this looks for wives. Here's how this looks for children. Here's how this looks for parents. And now he just goes to another everyday relationship that all of us experience. So how is it that we're supposed to live our lives? How do we conduct ourselves with those who have authority over us, specifically within our vocations. Well, Paul is Paul, and he just gets right at it. Obey. Let's just start there. Here's how this works. Here's how you should work. Obey your earthly masters. Now remember, we're first called to God. We obey him first. And if anybody's asking us to not obey God within our jobs, we obey God rather than man. But what is he saying when he's saying, hey, obey? How does this apply to us? In other words, I would say this. You need to perform your job description. If you have a job, perform your job description. And then you need to do that respectfully and with a sincere heart, Paul says. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. That means you do your job and you do it respectfully and with a sincere heart. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, man, if you knew who I worked for. Like, I'm better at my job than he is, I'm smarter than he is, and I just want to tell you, you're probably right. And you still need to do your, perform your job, and you need to do it respectfully with a sincere heart. So let me just drop a fact on you, okay? Most employees of Hill City are smarter and better than their boss. I said most, and I know some of you are like, what, is he talking about me? I'm going to leave that up to y'all, okay? But it's true. But there's still a way that, that people who work for this church need to work, and they need to perform their job that they've been given to do, and they need to do it with a sincere heart. And they, in other words, here's what that's saying. You need to do your job wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. <laughs> even, even if your boss is not awesome, even if the person who gave you the job is not awesome, there's a way you're supposed to do your job. Now, if you struggle with your heart attitude at work, if you struggle with your heart attitude toward the person who is over you in authority, I'm just going to give you a practical piece of advice. There's nothing in the world that will change your heart like prayer. And here's what I would challenge you to do. If you struggle with the boss, yeah, you're better than him. Yes, you're smarter than him. Yes, he's a jerk. Then go home every night and start praying for that boss and your heart will change. You know, the Bible tells us we're supposed to do this anyway. Like, it's not even, that's, what I just told you, that's not even a suggestion. First Timothy tells us, pray for those who are in authority over you. Have you been doing that? Don't raise your hand. That's hard. Respectfully, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. <laughs> uh, 
hey, church, Jesus is our boss. And I'm not oversimplifying this. That's not a Jesus juke. Like, we actually work for Jesus. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. In other words, go to work. Do it wholeheartedly. You don't work for a dude anyway. You work for Jesus. Let's keep that on the forefront of our minds, and that will affect the way that we work. Jesus is our boss anyway. So that's how you work. How do we not work? Well, verse 6, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. Okay, so we got to talk about this. So I'm just getting full transparency. So my former life, I was in education, right? I come out of college and I go get a job in education. And I'm teaching. And listen, I got to be honest with you. And this is not a knock on teachers. It's a phenomenal, it's a very important job. but, But you have to understand like, I worked construction in college. I, I was cleaning cars. I was stocking shelves. I was doing all these jobs that were, like, brutal. I, I, I would throw hay, like, go back and throw hay. Is, is, is anybody throw, does anybody do that anymore? Okay. I'm just glad there are four people who have done that. <laughs> I love you. So, so, so I get this teaching job, and I kid you not, I'm like, I, I, for the, I couldn't even believe they were paying me money to do this. Like, I'm, I'm at school. I wasn't sweating. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't miserable. I'm like, I, they're paying me to do this. But what I found what I was doing is I was like, man, every time like a superior, like the principal or assistant principal would come by, I would just get nervous. Like, man, I'm not doing anything. I got, I got, so I would like get busy. Do you know what I mean? It was weird. But what I was doing, I, I, I was by default going into eye service, trying to be a people pleaser. It was about my third year of teaching, I realized like, and not in an arrogant way, I'm like, man, I'm doing my job with integrity and I'm actually pretty good at my job. Like, I don't even care what he or she thinks about me anymore when they walk into this room. Do you know what I mean? Man, that's a freeing thing when you don't work as a person who's just after eye service or people pleaser. But let me just stay practical this morning. Because we're called to God, because Jesus is our boss, excellence should be a priority for the people of God. And integrity should be a priority for the people of God. Okay, we talk about, we talk a lot about this on our staff. We always continue to try to raise our excellence. We, we, we never arrive here, but it needs to matter in the workplace. Excellence should be a priority. Integrity should be a priority. But listen, if you are an eye service or if you're a people pleaser type of employee, you're not going to do your job correctly or honorably. So let, let's, let's stay practical. Let me give me th- three possible reasons why you might fall into the category of, a, of an eye service employee or a people pleaser employee. Number one is you might lack clarity within your job. Like you are not clear on what your job, what, what am I supposed, what is my job description? And here's what I tell you, if you don't know that, you don't fake it till you make it. That's not what a man or a woman of God does. You have integrity and you go to the person of an authority and you just say, hey, I don't really know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Please tell me what I am supposed to be doing. Go get clarity. That's being a person of integrity. Now, for some of you, it's not that you lack clarity, and, and I don't mean to be mean here. You, you actually lack capacity. And you're getting, you're getting into how we interview people here at Hill City. We use a lot of C words, right? We do this in our interview process, right? We talk about, we talk about clarity and capacity and, and, and character and all of this. But you may lack capacity. 
In other words, you may not have the skills you need to perform the job you've been hired to do. Maybe you went to an interview and you totally faked it. And then you got the job and you're like, oh boy, I don't think they messed up here. Now, some of you, maybe they didn't, and it's just like there is this ability where you can go acquire the skills. You can grow in capacity, and you need to have the integrity to go do that. You need, you, you, you need to gain the skills to be able to perform the job, or you need to go get a different job. Because if you don't, that makes you a thief. And I say that lovingly, but sternly on purpose. Like, you are stealing from the person who is paying you money to do the job if you can't do the job. And you need to have the integrity to stop it. And this takes us to our third one. Maybe the reason you're eye pleaser, maybe the reason, or your eye service people pleaser, is maybe you actually lack the character. And you're like, I don't care, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fake this and keep drawing a check. And I'm gonna, I know they think I'm working 40 hours, but I'm going to drop in about 25 hours a week and check Instagram all day. And here's what I would tell you, you need to repent because you are stealing. That is not how the people of God are called to work. When you pass from death to life, so I'm talking to the Christians in the room, I'm talking to people who are following Jesus. When you pass from death to life, Jesus affects every area of your life. We should work differently than what the world works. It should be noticeable. Even if you hate your job, there's still a way that you should work because your boss is Jesus, and he gave you this job. And I know some of you hate your job, but you have to understand. Listen, we need to understand this. I'm going to talk to the young people in the room. This idea that you can go do what you love, okay, this idea that you can go get a dream job is so new to humanity. And that's not really how it works for most people. And I'm just, I just don't want to set you up for disappointment when that doesn't happen. And even if you think, I've found my dream job, I will talk to you about 8 to 12 months after you've been hired for that dream job, and it will not be your dream job anymore. Because <laughs> it's work. There will be days you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. No one's entitled to some dream job that is actually a fake thing, pretty much. So here's the deal. Paul doesn't just address those of us who are employees. Paul doesn't just address those of us who fall under authority within a job. He speaks to those who hold authority as well. So he talks to bosses. He talks to business owners. He talks to employers. So everything I just told you, then in verse 9 he says, Masters, do the same. So everything I just told you, you need to do the same. Now that's a radical statement in their town, to tell masters to do the same. It's very countercultural of Paul. But let me just talk to the employers in the room. What if, what if your employers, this, this is some soul-searching moments. We have a lot of you in this room. We have a lot of uh, a very talented people who, who, who work for themselves, who have started businesses, who run businesses, who have many employees. And I just want, to do, I want you to just do some, uh, 
just some soul searching this morning as I ask some of these questions. What if your employees know that you care for them as people, that you care for their families as much or more as you do about your company? Like, it's pretty simple. Are, are you caring? Do you have meaningful conversations? Bible, it says this here, it says to masters, hey, stop threatening. Now, in their town, that, that probably literally meant, like, they would probably threaten to kill. Like, do this or I'll kill you. And that's kind of how I guess it could have worked. We don't do that, obviously, but what, what about this? Business owners, bosses. Do you see the people who work for you? Do you see the people who fall under your authority? Do you see them as threats? So you hold them down because you see them as threats? Don't do that. Don't do that. You have people that work for you. But you work for Jesus. And excellence and integrity need to matter to you also employer, boss, business owner. So here we go. Do you pay well or are you just scrape? Here, here's a thing in our, in our world, right? Benefits. And I'm talking to probably 20 of you right now. Benefits. Do you take care of your employees? You know to get insurance for a family is miserable in this country. Yeah. Do, you, do you take care of your employees because you love them? Because you care for them, because you actually work for Jesus. It's worth asking, because here's the reality, and lovingly, I just want to tell those of you who are, who are in this position, you are accountable to God. Like, you're not above the standard of Scripture. And when you stand before God, you're going to stand on the exact same level as the employees that worked for you, specifically in the area of character and integrity. And God will be just. Just you work for Jesus. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm just this is a hot take. I don't do this very much. Okay, so can you just smile at me? If you fall in the category I'm getting ready to talk about, don't just I'm forgive me. Give me grace, but th this is a hot take, okay? I don't like when the word Christian is used as an adjective. Okay, and, and I'm going to tell you what I do. If, if I see, let's just say, a painter with like a cross on his sign or a fish, right, or, or a lawn company, and it's like I automatically do not call that painter or that lawn company. That's me. Why? Because I just don't think that's what we're called to do, okay? I think when you own a company, you should just be awesome at whatever it is that you're, you're doing. And when I, like, when I see, like, I, I don't think we should call companies Christian companies. I think, I think Christian is best used as a noun and not an adjective. So, like, what I'm telling you is this. Just be awesome at what it is that you do. Okay? If you mow grass, be awesome at mowing grass. That's the God-honoring thing to do. I'm done. So 
you think, man, you didn't talk about verse 7 or verse 8. I, I'm going to. So this is both to employers and employees. Look at this. This is to all of us. Render service with goodwill as the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord. Right? So we render a good service. Like, I don't want people to hire me because I, I have a fish on my car. I want people to, I, I just want to render a good service and do what it is that I say that I'm going to do. This speaks to being servant-hearted. This actually speaks to worship. Our work is an act of worship. It's servant-hearted. It's sacrificial. Now, in our culture, we have to be very careful because more commonly, we start to worship our work, Right? That's not what we're called to do. Our work can be an act of worship. But we've got to guard and not work unto ourselves. We work as unto the Lord, verse 7. And then verse 8, this is kind of, this is kind of you know, we're, we're, we're got to be careful here. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Listen, I didn't write that. I don't know exactly what to do with that, but I'm just going to choose to trust Scripture here. And I would ask you even to do the same. I don't know exactly how this plays out. I think I have at least one idea, okay? I just know the Bible says we get the reward. God's people get the reward. So let's go all the way back to Ephesians chapter 1. Do you guys remember the inheritance? Remember this? Like we are called, like we were called. We are God's kids. And it says now we get the inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1. Actually, let me just go read it right here. Uh, it, in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So if we're following Jesus, listen, this is pretty awesome. I want to get ready to tell you. We're going to be around for a while, like forever. That's a long time. That's pretty awesome, Right? And, and, and listen, and I read this passage to you earlier, but I, but I left out a verse. So let me, let me give you the second half, right? Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.24 says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So some of you are like, man, I'm, I just need a break. I just want, I want my break. I want my reward. And I just want to tell you, you're going to get it. If you're following Jesus, you're going to get it. And I cannot promise you that it will happen in this life, but you are going to get it. We are going to be here forever. Stay the course. You are working for Jesus. And sometimes it's just easy to forget this, right? Sometimes for me, it's just easy to forget my identity. That I have this inheritance, that I'm God's kid. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I put my identity in this job as the pastor of Hill City Church, just full transparency. Sometimes I do that, and I put way too much emphasis on what people think about me and if they like what I said on a Sunday, or are you with me? Because sometimes I do that. Am I the only one? Does anybody do that sometimes with your jobs? You put your identity in your job. Let me just ask some questions. These are some questions I have to ask myself. Will your job lay down and die for you? Okay. Hey, will your job promise to never leave or forsake you? 
Anybody ever been fired before? Will your job keep every promise that it's ever made to you? Of course we know the answer is no, no, no. Then the question is this, then why would we put our identity in it? See, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. If, you, if you're visiting here, you need to understand, we always come to Jesus and the good news and the gospel of Jesus. We, we did it last week, and we're going to do it this week. You're going to come next week. You know where we're going to go? We're going to go to Jesus. And the next week after that, we're going to go to Jesus. We're just going to preach the gospel every single week here. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus was the one with the most power and with the most authority, and he performed the greatest and most humble work the world has ever known. And he is our model. The reason I know that you can get up tomorrow and go to work, even with a horrible boss, and you can go to work in a job that you can go, don't like, and you can go to work with a humble attitude, and you can go to work and do it wholeheartedly, is because we have a king who modeled it for us and went before us, and we can just mimic him. Mark chapter 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Then how do you think we should go to work tomorrow? Let me just read it one more time. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. How did he do that? Well, he gave his life as a ransom for many. Right there. That's where we put our identity. That's whose we are. And the good news of Jesus Christ is a really, really, really big deal. And it permeates every area of our lives. Right? We don't compartmentalize. We don't have this section of our work and our career, and then we do this little thing on Sunday with our families, and then we go back and, listen, that is not how the gospel works. It permeates every area of our lives. The theme of Ephesians, there's a new humanity. There's this new organic building that Jesus is building, and he does it through the good news of Jesus. That is that he died for us and performed the greatest work that has ever been performed. If, if you're serving communion, I want you to come forward. I'll have the rest of you stand up with me. Your work, I don't care what it is, as long as it's not sin and evil, your work is God's work. He's called you to it, but he modeled how to do it with his life and with his death and with his resurrection. That's what we're going to celebrate right now. There'll be stations under each light. It'll be for the back half of the room. We'll have two back there. We have a station in the balcony. For those of you who, who need gluten-free, we do have a gluten-free option down here in the front and middle. Maybe you have not had a biblical view of your work. Maybe... You've not been the employee that God has called you to be. Maybe you've not been the employer that God has called you to be. If you believe in Jesus this morning, here's what I want you to do, and that's you. You are welcome to the table. I just want you to maybe spend a little bit of time praying. Maybe, maybe you need to spend some time repenting, confessing to God, hey, I've not been the man or woman of God that you've called me to be specifically in my workplace. Listen, he stands ready to forgive. Don't sit there in shame. Confess it to him. Repent and come to the table and eat. If you're not following Jesus here this morning, 
We're super excited that you're here. We want you to keep coming back. But you need to understand that the meal we're about ready to participate in is, is for believers, those of us who have passed from death to life. If you want to know more about that, we'd love to talk to you down front during communion. There will be some elders, some staff. We'd love to pray with you. Not just if you don't know Jesus. Maybe there's something in your life you want to talk about. Maybe you're considering a, a job change. I don't know, but it would be the honor of our day to just go before the Lord and pray with you. Let's come to the table.